Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Off The Bench. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, it's Off The Bench coming at you on this Saturday morning. Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. Great to have your company wherever and however you're listening Right around this great state of Western Australia, Paul Hazelby, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Ben Cameron, everybody out there. Good luck to all those still playing football this year and netball and hockey in the country as we get towards the end of the season. It is time to move your team towards the top of the ladder so that you can contend. Have a great day, everybody. So much for us to look forward to in the world of sport this weekend. I don't think I'll venture far from the couch. We've got the World Cup final, France and Croatia to go at it, 9pm Western Standard Time tomorrow night. We've got the Wimbledon final, which will awkwardly be at the same time. Not ideal. We've got the Tour de France rolling on and so much football with so many games that will uh, decide the fate of a number of different teams, Paul. I don't know where to look. Oh, plenty going on. You rarely move far from your couch, though. You love sport. And there's, of course, all the footy that's going on this weekend. But let's start with the World Cup final. Who are you going for? You still think you're a big believer in England. They're not there. France, or do you think Croatia can just cause the biggest upset of all time? Only a population of 4 Mm. million. We've got a population of over 20 million. Why can't we do what they've done? I really want to delve into this, but uh, I think France will win, which is regrettable for mine. It's actually France's national day today. So uh, celebrating today, Mm. and I'm sure they'll be celebrating tomorrow. But if Croatia were to win, I don't think we understand how significant an achievement it is. I mean, as you said, a population of 4 million, they actually didn't qualify for the last World Cup. And right? now here they are in the World Cup final and are a real chance of taking the whole thing out. I mean, it's just a phenomenal achievement, a phenomenal effort from such a small nation. I think the reason we can't do it is clearly because, like we've spoken about ad nauseum on this show on Sports Day, I think a lot of people here in Australia or athletes, they choose rugby league, they choose uh, Australian rules football before they choose football. So our best best athletes aren't playing that code. That doesn't stack up, though, when you've got a team or a country with a population of 4 million. We've got a population of 4 million here that are choosing soccer as a first-choice sport. No, it does stack up because, say, let's say half the population in Australia play sport, then let's say nine-tenths of that choose to play either Australian rules or rugby league first. So say it's 11 million and then nine-tenths of that is approximately nine million. So we only have one million who choose to play, say, association football, the round ball world game. Whereas in Croatia, that is the number one sport. The majority choose to play that sport. And I think, obviously, uh, they're in Europe. They've got a, a stronger stronger links to other uh, stronger competitions. And that's why they're able to develop players and be as successful as they have been. But... You're right. I understand the the premise that that you're trying to put forward, and that is we should be better, and we could be better than we are. We shouldn't accept where we are. I think you're selling us short here in Australia in terms of the participation numbers, that it is the number one played sport here in Australia. A lot of kids play it first. I've made that point a number of times, that I think a lot of mums and parents put their kids into soccer because of the non-contact factor. Still in there though, Ben. But do those kids really want to go on and play soccer? So I think a lot of them, maybe when they get to an age that's a little bit older, they might end up playing rugby league. They might end up playing Australian rules football rather than soccer. And that is what happens. And a lot of adults play soccer because it's a social game that you can play 
where perhaps you're not as likely to get injured. So that's why the participation numbers are, are higher than they are in maybe Australian rules football or rugby league, but still a lot of the, the talent will choose to play those sports. No, I'm not sure about that, Ben. We'll agree to disagree, Paul. Yes, I like that. That's what we do on this show. <laughs> we certainly do. You can uh, have your say at Sports Day WA, at Twitter, Facebook, uh, whatever social media you choose. Get involved and uh, get stuck into Paul or myself if you choose to disagree with us. A lot more to look forward to. So much footy going on this weekend. So many games that are important in the context of the season. We've got the dig to come and uh, Wimbledon as well. Roger Federer out. We've got uh, the women's final to look forward to tonight and the men's final tomorrow night. So, so much for us to get through. Uh, Don't go anywhere. It's all coming up here on Off the Bench right around Western Australia. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to have you with us on this Saturday morning. And Paul Hazelby is a man who knows Tim Kelly very well. You coached him at South Fremantle. He was good again way back on Thursday night, Paul Hazelby. A little bit of discussion about whether he belongs in the All-Australian squad. I'm a no for that. I don't think he does. But uh, he's had a fantastic first year. There's no denying that. But will he be in Geelong Colours next year? I think he'll be in Geelong Colours next year. There's no doubt about that for mine. But I think after that it becomes interesting. And we saw throughout the week a big contract offer to Rory Sloan, who's going to be 29 soon. And he got... $800,000 over five years. Now, I'm watching on Thursday night looking at Tim Kelly. How much difference is there between Tim Kelly and Rory Sloan, given that he's younger, there's more improvement than Rory Sloan? Could you make an argument that he is worth six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars himself? Because most things that he touched on Thursday night turned to gold. I thought he was right up there in the best players. Like we spoke about, Paul, the concern for Tim is that he's the sixth in line in their midfield at the moment. So you've got Ablett. Uh, Joel Selwood, you've got Dangerfield, you've arguably got Joel Selwood, uh, sorry, Scott Selwood as well, and then you've got Menegola, you've got Duncan, and then you've got Kelly. So really, if he was to become one of the main men in a midfield, could he deliver the same output? Could he be the same player? That is the question surrounding Tim Kelly for mine at the moment. If he was to come back to Freo or West Coast, could he be the same player? I think he could be. He's a ball winner. He plays a role that suits his style. He actually you start in a few centre bounces. He's just running forward. I don't think he's actually playing too much defensively at that club, but there's no doubt that our clubs here could replicate that with him in the team. But it's going to be a big decision, isn't it? If a club does come for him and offer the sort of money of five hundred, six hundred thousand, I'm not sure the Geelong Cats could match that and given that his family probably does want to come home in time to be around their family with a young family that they do have, he could be an option for both West Coast and Fremantle. But what about Gary Ablett? He came back to the Cats. There was a big song and dance made about him returning, and this was going to be the answer for them winning a premiership. A lot of the ball, didn't he, on Thursday night. But the impact's not there anymore, is it? Well, I think that's natural. I just think he's in decline. I would have thought they would have played him more forward this Mm. year, and they haven't really done that. So uh, whether it's working, I'm not sure. Maybe they didn't want Gary back, but there is that natural romance, and they probably felt obliged that they had to take him as uh, the son of senior, and uh, they had to take him back. So it might not have fit perfectly with what they were trying to achieve. Adam Chera is the other one for me. Just listening to him during the week, He didn't go out of his way to say that he would be re-signing with the Fremantle Football Club, did he? Mm. I think there are significant alarm bells ringing around Adam Chera 
and his future at the Freo Footy Club. Well, they're similar, aren't they, to the Tim Kelly situation. Has another year to run, which is mandatory when you do get picked up. But if you put himself, put yourself in their shoes, there's no reason that they need to sign up right now. And the other thing you do is you back yourself in to have a good year and a half of footy where your price goes through the roof. Sign now, you're not getting that uplift. Mm. Play good footy in 12 months' time. That next contract could be six, seven hundred thousand instead of probably the four hundred thousand that's on offer right now. Makes sense to me. The dig. Yeah, style before you dig. The essential first step for Hazelby. You like to open the bowling. Who have you got for us with your dig today? I'm going with the Fremantle Dockers. I came out about a year and a half ago, and I was very critical of where the football club was. And you go back through their last three years, since they had a great period, 2013, 14, and 15, they had 16 wins, 16 wins, and 17 wins. Well, over the last few years, they've had four wins in 2016, eight wins in 2017, and right now they're on six wins. Now, this has been a very poor list transition from the Fremantle Dockers, and I'm still not convinced it's on the right path. Why did they have to go down this path, Benny Cameron, where they had to have a full rebuild? Why didn't they do that on the run like most clubs do? You've got to make tough decisions in the world of footy. Geelong have done it. Stevie J, see you later, goes on to play two more years. Kelly goes to the Bombers, plays two more seasons. We've seen it with the Hawks. They've transitioned their list over the last couple of years. Absolute icons of the game have been moved out to allow players to come in, and they're in the finals right now. So the one thing I would say about that, Paul, is you're advocating a renovation rather than a rebuild, and I think we're yet to see whether that actually works. So Hawthorne are trying to do it. They're mid-table. Can they actually uh, hold that position and then challenge? We don't know. Geelong, I don't think they're Dinkum this year. So I'm not sure their renovation is working. We don't know whether that actually works. We do know that rebuilds do in the AFL. Uh, as I said, it is the dig. We'll continue this discussion very shortly. Don't dig yourself into a hole. Lodge a free dial before you dig inquiry. And uh, I've got my dig to come as well. This is Off the Bench for your Saturday morning. You're listening to Off The Bench. And we're continuing our discussion about rebuilds and renovations and everything surrounding that. Paul Hazelby, you're not happy with it, are you? You think that we've given Ross Lyon a little bit of an out by saying that you can basically have three or four years and five year a five-year contract and try and completely rebuild this team? I just think they put all their eggs into one basket, which it's called list management. You should be keeping an eye on the future at all times, but looking to win that premiership in that season. I just threw, thought through that period, they made some big mistakes, and then all of a sudden they just threw everybody out and come in with all these young kids, which across time hasn't been proven to be a successful formula. We've seen Carlton try and rebuild for a number of years. We've seen it with Melbourne. We've seen it with St Kilda. Those teams just don't get there. Strong clubs are built on good cultures and creating an environment that new players are coming in all the time so that you're always contending. I don't remember Geelong ever having a rebuild. I don't remember Sydney ever having a rebuild. And the Hawks haven't rebuilt in the last 15 years. I don't see the need to do it. You make smart business decisions on your list all the time. No, but I think Geelong did before their incredibly successful era. And they built up to when they, they won those three flags, 07, 09 and 11. And now they're... Are they in the period, like Hawthorne, after their successful fourth premierships, 08 and then 13, uh, 14, 15, where they're just treading water, they're middle of the pack? Because why do you exist in a, as an AFL club? 
Look, you will say to win premierships, but well, you that's want to the be aim. contenders every year, don't you? I think the aim is finals footy every year. There's no point going But, but are Hawthorne top. and Geelong going to challenge with their renovated group? I I'm not they sure they can. are. I think the Cats are two wins outside being in a good position. They've but do you think they can games. win the flag this year? On any given day, they're a chance to beat anyone, I believe. And the Hawks, they've got a good run coming home. They're not going to be far off the mark. But I just don't see a situation where you need to go from top to bottom and then back up again. But I'd refute your claim as well that Fremantle tossed everyone out because I don't think they did. They kept around Sanderlands. They had Daniel mm. Pierce. They kept Mundy. We've still got Mundy running around for the probably next year, I think, yeah. at the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, and then some of those guys are just being edged out now as some of the younger guys come through. So I'm not sure they did tip out everyone. Did they turf out the wrong age bracket? I think they kept a lot of the older guys, didn't they? Your Johnsons, your Daniel Pierces, But it was your Michael Barlows, your Nick Subins, your Tendai Mazungus, those sort of guys that still probably had a bit of footy left. They got turfed out prior to that. I just think with Fremantle, they didn't make too many big decisions, did they? They sort of just did what was there. And they didn't renovate their list at the right time. I think the bigger issue is that they had a really bad period of recruiting mm. between about 2011 and, and 2013, where they just had a lot of guys who didn't necessarily come on. So I might have the years wrong with that, but I reckon there's a period there where they, they missed, they whiffed on a lot of picks, and that's what's hurting them now more so than uh, than anything else. Yeah, if you look at back of their recruiting, you'd hope that Morabito would come a good player. It was an early pick well, for was, them. He was clearly on track to become a great player and maybe had he not done all those knees, dare I say it, they may well have won the flag in 2013. Jaden Pitt was another one they picked mm. with an early pick that didn't work out for them. Josh Simpson was another one that was their first pick one year. Michael Apness was a high pick, which we're only now starting to see him starting to play some good foot. He got a contract extension. Good call. I didn't think he deserved any more than one year. I thought that was right. I still think he's a work in progress. Not there yet. Uh, my dig, just quickly as well, I'm a little bit concerned about Adelaide. They may have a, a dad's army in years to come. They've got Josh Jenkins on a long-term deal. They've got Taylor Walker in that forward line, Eddie Betts, and now they've just re-signed Rory Sloan, who, uh, as you made the point very well, mm. will be you know the wrong side of 30 by quite some way by the end of this deal. So uh, I like, in a sense, that they're clearly saying, I think we've got to win it with this group. But it is a bit of a concern as well. And I'm going to have a small dig at uh, Red Bull. Daniel Ricciardo driving for Red Bull. Just get it together. I mean, they need to really get it together and give this man, a, a proud Sandgraper, a chance to win the title. I think they've sort of stuffed him around. It looks as though he won't be going to Ferrari or Mercedes. So he's staying. He'll stay with Red Bull. And hopefully they can deliver him a car, put it underneath him, that gives him a real shot of winning the whole whole lot. How do you rate him as a driver? Do you have him in the top three in the world? Yeah, I think he is, yeah. clearly. So it's just the and car that's letting he him He just down. needs the uh, the car beneath him to give him a, a real shot. Uh, some of the other sporting news, the Wimbledon women's final is coming up tonight. Uh, you'll be able to see all of that in the men's final tomorrow. As we made mention of earlier, uh, the World Cup final on tomorrow at 9 p.m. Western Standard Time. Uh, next here on Off the Bench, we'll run through some of the games this week. It's been a, a good, hearty pub debate between us, hasn't it, Hayes, about the state of the Fremantle's Dockers list. More to come next. You're listening to Off the Bench.
You certainly are, and we've finished a five-week block of Thursday night footy, Paul Hazelby. Are you all in, or do you think there's so much of it? No, I love it. I reckon it's fantastic to have more standalone games. I think the AFL needs to explore this further, because I just don't like the double-up games where you don't get a chance. The overlap. The overlap. So we want people watching every game and having a choice to do that. Thursday night, I think, is a great time slot. We've tried a few other ones over time. Monday doesn't work, but Thursday, Friday night footy, I think it's a great lead-in. I'm a big fan of it too and I really like it in about the amount they have at the moment I think he's perfect and the numbers support you so uh, the Thursday night game between Adelaide and Geelong uh, 970,000 viewers across Australia Um, sorry that was the average right across the Mm. Thursday night games with uh, three of the games going past the 1 million viewer mark so they're pretty happy with that Channel 7 and if they're happy The AFL will make it happen next year as well. Uh, Let's look at some of the fixtures coming up today, Paul Hazelby. We've got another round of footy uh, rolling on after two games have been completed. So later today, uh, Hawthorne and the Brisbane Lions in Tasmania. Who do you like? Well, I like the fact that it's not going to be all about Hawks. I like that Brisbane are now starting to put together a good block of games. They've got three wins, two on the trot. They did beat the Hawks convincingly early in the season at the Gabba. The only thing against them, I think, playing down in Tassie, Hawthorne are experts at that. Brisbane wouldn't do it too often. So I'm going to go with the Hawks in this one, but it's great to be talking about Brisbane in a positive light finally. Yeah, I agree. Hawthorne don't lose too often down in the Apple Isle, so I think they'll be winning. Are you We've spoken a lot about teams being on the right path today. Do you think Brisbane are? Well, it's hard to say. They've got three wins only. The Dockers have actually got six this year. A lot needs to go right. They've still got probably too many guys at the top end of their list that may not be there in the future. Yeah, they're older than people think, aren't they? Uh, Melbourne take on the Western Bulldogs. The Ds need to be winning this if if they're Dinkum. Yeah, no Bontempelli. They'll win this one. High-scoring team when they're at their best. I still think Melbourne can cause some upsets come the business end of the season. The Suns and the Bombers, Essendon should take care of a, a pretty deplorable Gold Coast team. Would not surprise me here if Gold Coast actually had a win on the Gold Coast against the Bombers, who I just feel now don't have a lot to play for. I think they're out of contention. I think the match of the day today, uh, maybe not the match remaining in the round, but GWS and Richmond, this is one I'll be watching uh, on the couch, as you know, Hayes. I like to kick up my feet and watch a lot of sport on the couch. I, I'm looking forward to this GWS need to win if they want to keep their season alive. Yeah, absolutely. You can't go against the Tigers right now. Their footy has just been on a different level this year, but it would not surprise for the Giants to get it rolling. Their midfield's still as good as any, even though they were beaten by the West Coast Eagles last week. The Tigers have to be on their best game, but I think the Tigers in a close one. And then tomorrow, uh, this is massive. I I still can't see the West Coast Eagles beating Collingwood. I I think they are the real deal this year. Even when West Coast are flying, they struggle to win at the MCG. Uh, So I I just think Collingwood will win comfortably. Yeah, I'm going to go with Collingwood here as well. There are some teams, Ben, across your career, when you play them regularly and you beat them regularly, you just get confidence. You come into the game expecting to win. I think Collingwood's got that over West Coast at the moment. It's a little bit of this self-fulfilling prophecy Mm. too. So you play well the first time, then the next time you roll up feeling good about yourself, even subconsciously, perform well again, and then it just rolls on and rolls on and it and, just keeps... Uh, and it's the opposite for mm. West Coast. They go in going, geez, we haven't been these guys for a while over there. Mm. This will be difficult again. But then we go to North Melbourne taking on Sydney. This is a beauty. We're going to find out about where both of these teams are at. For the Sydney Swans, if they're top four credentialed, they need to win this. They do. They do. But uh, something's not quite right at the Swans this year and I don't know what it is, but... Uh, 
it's just not quite. Dan Hanbury probably sums it up. Where has he been this year? He's gone. He has from, to be injured. Oh, I firmly well, he has been he has injured. To, yeah, and it goes to show that if you don't get the full bulk of training, mm. but he's gone from a player that you just ticked every week to get thirty plus disposals to getting fifteen on some occasions. And then the game we'll be covering this weekend, Hayes, uh, Fremantle and Port Adelaide. Port need to come to town and get the job done, and I think they will pretty convincingly. Port Adelaide have embarrassed the Fremantle Dockers in recent games against them. Most of those have been in Adelaide, but I think they'll do it again. I reckon they're probably due for a 40-point win here against the Dockers. What's on for the rest of the day for you, Paul? Off to do the waffle, so make mm. sure you tune in. Channel 7, it's a big game. Subiaco taking on South Fremantle, one and two. Enjoy that. You enjoy your weekend too, wherever and however you spend it. We'll be back next Saturday morning here on Off the Bench. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.